1: Hello, Janine Garner here, and I today am sat in a hotel room in Soho with the fabulous Emma Bannister. Emma Bannister is the CEO of Presentation Studio, and she describes herself as somebody that thinks in pictures and stories, an expert at transforming the written word into impactful and awesome presentations that ensure that individuals really get impact with their messaging and drive the change that they want to drive. So it's an absolute pleasure to be sat here today with the fabulous Emma Bannister. So Emma, just introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell me a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit more
0: about what Presentation Studio do. Well, hi everyone. My name is Emma Bannister and I'm really excited to be here in London, which was originally my hometown, uh, my original stomping ground before I moved to Australia. And when I was here in London, I used to work for an investment bank. And it was there that I identified how badly people needed help with their presentations. So then when I got to the sunny skies of Australia, um, I really wanted to help people communicate in a more powerful way. And I spent um, a few years building up my business um, to help write, design and then produce presentations that really help people companies communicate in a really effective way and so specifically we we tend to help the corporate um, side of business but we do a lot of work with small business as well and keynote presentations that sort of thing Mm. so some people could listening could be
1: awesome she's a graphic designer that does powerpoint and to some extent
0: yes but equally, it's so much more than PowerPoint, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a trap that people fall into. They, they tend to think that, oh, I know the content. I know what I'm doing. I've been using PowerPoint for years. And actually, it's far more around thinking about the message of what you're saying for your particular audience, how that is tailored, and taking the content, the information that that knowledge holder has, and spinning it in a way that really communicates in an effective way to that audience and helps them act on what you're saying. And that's the power in what we do. So we started out just being a design company that would kind of make slides look pretty. And now it's much more around taking the words of that knowledge holder, working out what the message is, creating a structure and a flow so that we can help create stories and message and ideas and the real relevance to that audience so that they go away leaving that presentation really knowing what to do and having a clear message in their mind of whether they either want to buy from you or learn more about you, those sorts of things, so that we're not wasting time in presentations. And I think one of the challenges I see in the corporate world is that we're also used to spending hours and hours creating PowerPoint slides or attending presentations where people are either too nervous because they don't like being in that situation Or they'll spend hours droning on about um, stuff because it's far easier just to talk for hours if you haven't prepared. Mm. So people do. They just stand up and talk and there's no clear message or relevance to the audience. So we're really all about helping them identify that, tell the story, share the idea, identify what's at stake with the audience and, and really helping support people produce that. Awesome,
1: and this idea started at your kitchen table, how many years ago was it
0: now? Uh, So I founded the company in 2006 when I was pregnant with my first daughter, and it was meant to be a bit of a side hobby, you know, and some extra cash while I was um, looking after a newborn baby, and it kind of took off a bit faster than I thought it would, so I was literally creating presentations in one hand, avocado sandwiches in the other for her, and um, Yeah, just ended up really identifying that um, there were so many people that needed help. And we started working for some big clients that just basically approached me from word of mouth and hearing what I was doing to say, I need your help. And and then I just needed to get more people to help. So you're now based in Sydney, but you operate throughout APAC.
1: Um, have a team of 30 Mm. and turning over a fair few million so quite a success story when tell me about the day when you sat down and went wow I'm onto something when did it finally click in or when was that moment of realization that this idea that you had at your kitchen table actually had the potential to become
0: something more Probably um, as demand got got stronger and, and also then the feedback from clients as to how much it had helped them at that point in time. And I mean, we literally get flowers, chocolates, tears from people contacting us saying, thank you, you've literally transformed my life. Because if people's careers can be at stake or they can win that big pitch. Sometimes it's multimillion dollar bids that people are working on. And so they re- the pressure is really on them to get it right and so when those those people started making those that level of inquiries i really i've always felt there was a missing opportunity that power to connect the speaker and the audience and i for years i've seen from from the bank stage through to research companies that i've worked for i've seen them getting it wrong and so it was just it's just been really important to me because, and and i think because i'm such a visual person i visualize things so i sit there and i'm drawing and i'm always creating Um, explanations of how things work by scribbling on the backs of napkins and all sorts of things like my worst nightmare would be in a room with no paper Um, I just need to communicate visually And, and and whilst people might not think they are too I know that they connect in that same way What about people that go,
1: I'm just not creative. Surely I know my content. I know all the stats and figures and data that anyone could ask me. I don't necessarily need a beautiful looking PowerPoint. What's your uh, advice to people when it comes to that ability to, in essence, have the PowerPoint supporting
0: your message? They might not be, but they need to understand that their audience is highly likely. And Mm -hmm. so it's at least 85% of humans are incredibly visual. And whilst we need that research and, and sort of more complex background information, we don't need to see it on the screen at the same time that you're talking. So that's a fantastic support document PDF. It Send it out to your audience afterwards. Don't send it before. Don't have anyone flicking through paperwork while you're talking and don't put it up on the screen so we, we actually advocate creating two presentations so do your research do have that intel and then strip out the supporting insight and share that don't on the screen to support what you're saying mm. help your audience to visualize and imagine and understand what you're saying because that's the power in effective communication um whether it's a visual story that you're sharing that they can emotionally attach to or a diagram or visual infographic something that can help explain it and help them remember because the most successful presentation is something that they can remember and then act on afterwards rather than just go oh, yeah it was nice." Mm. Yeah, and mm, we've, just all, walk out. we've all
1: sat there, haven't we, sort of looking at a screen with hundreds of numbers on it. Um, from your perspective, because obviously this is your area of expertise um, and you work with um, some of the world's most senior leaders and most influential business owners, um, what are the biggest mistakes that you see? What is the stuff that you see and you almost want to cringe and go and grab the PowerPoint there and then? What's the biggest mistake people make at the moment?
0: Well, one of the biggest mistakes is what we've just touched on, putting so much information on the screen. And people are starting to get that. They know that they shouldn't do it, but they quite often blame lack of time um, as the reason that they couldn't create something better. And it is really, it does really come down to respecting your audience enough to take the time to prepare mm-hmm. And if you haven't got the time to bother into preparing a document or something that supports what you're saying, why are you even bothering having it? Just save everyone's time and don't bother. Just flick out an email and and be done with it. So that is probably the biggest mistake. Um, And it really does come down to preparation and rehearsal because the rest can follow. Um, Sharing stories creates that sort of emotional connection that unites your audience. Visuals will help support what you're saying. So there, there is real power in taking the time to work through a, seri- a, si- a few simple series of steps that can really transform how you communicate. Yeah, that's just awesome. So um, you've been in business for a long
1: time, um, started with just you and grown um, to quite a substantial size. And I know, having spoken to you, that there's bigger plans afoot and it doesn't stop here. But what about a time when things weren't going so well? Um, Can you share with us a time where um, those plans may not have eventuated, things weren't going so well? And what did you do? How did you turn it around? Because I think one of the most interesting things for our listeners to understand is that it's not always roses and unicorns and champagne you know they every single leader that i have met spoken interviewed come across um often talks about these moments where it was tough and that ability to pick themselves up and get through it and it's just an interesting insight i think for our listeners to to hear and and
0: appreciate it's been a constant roller coaster and i wouldn't say that i have any way Made it now, you know, it is like I still wake up in the morning and and read through emails that would just make me feel physically sick sometimes <laughs> of like what I've got to deal with for the day. And, um, but I, I, I say that slightly in jest because the challenges that I face now are in, in no way similar to what I faced before, but can be equally daunting. And so, you know, when I when I started, um, I would I was faced with the challenges of being an introverted graphic designer trying to sort of manage other people. Um, And but we didn't have big pressures of um, payroll and financial pressures that I would have now because 30 staff is an incredible um, amounts to, to be able to afford and, and run and, and these are people's lives so you're responsible for so much more um and a bad month can have serious consequences so the the risks are a lot higher now the pressure is a lot higher than it ever was so it's almost like um uh, the 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 game is shifting slightly but we have so many more processes and systems and fantastic relationships and the team that we have in place now are absolutely incredible because we focus so much over the past two years on turning the culture around, really identifying the right people in the right roles and, and transforming how they all work with each other and that was something that was very much wrong um, in, in some of the kind of mid-years of our growth period. You can focus so much on the quality of the work you're doing, the quality of your relationships with the client, but somewhere along the line things get unstuck, and for us that was the relationship we had with our team and the amount of effort that we were able to give back in their development and way we were working together. So We moved offices, we took a a really big focus on how we were working together and it became really important to us to have the systems in place to do that, to let people work together to work that out. So we've put a leadership team in place that's run by our general manager. I've identified that my key strengths are not particularly people. Um, I love our team, but I am not the best manager. So we now have someone in place, Terry, who is simply wonderful and can do that, as well as the other team leaders that that really help champion and and help people's careers within the different teams and departments and and give freedom to people to talk up and come up with their own ideas of how things can work.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's wonderful. It almost... Uh, totally reinforces that concept of no one can be successful alone and um, I'm sure many of our listeners have heard um, that theory about employing people that are better than you Definitely. Um, to help you succeed. Um, so in terms of you, you, you touched on there the, the stresses of have changed over the years the demands on you have changed over the years but at the end of the day you're still the CEO and the visionary behind the business so how does Emma Bannister keep going where do you get your inspiration from or that constant push to keep looking pivoting
0: uh, changing and evolving where do you get your inspiration from? I've always had a fire in my belly to be the best at what we do, and for me, that's been around continuing to grow and scale, and and now that that strength comes from knowing that we can really um, help throughout Asia to be the best mm-hmm. at what we're doing. So, I I just I don't quite know where it comes from, but it's this fight inside me that is just like we can do this. And every day I wake up, and I still have that desire to to be. Better at what we're doing and so um, I, I just I am very fortunate that I can still feel that way um, about being the best at what we do and for me it's still around sort of taking that time which is really important to me to kind of lock myself away and think and plan and one of the biggest sort of areas for me has been around communicating what my ideas for the future are and you know, it's been very hard to articulate that because I've just thought we can be bigger and better at what we're doing. But now I have been able to sort of clearly, with the help of the team, because it was definitely not on my own. You know, I've had so much guidance from them on how, where we want to be, um, so not, not really how, where we want to be, but how we're going to get there. So I'm like, I want to be here by 2020. And then they're helping put the steps in place to achieve that. So the role has really shifted in that I have this amazing group of people around me that can help fulfill that. Um, But my drive is to be there for them and still set that passion. And that passion for what we do and that the amount of help that is still needed is huge. Do you know
1: where that passion came from?
0: I think over the years I've probably been burnt enough to know that i needed to do it on my own and that's probably what it stems down to Mm -hmm. Uh, i think the opportunity to come back to london actually has helped me do a bit of soul searching in that regard you know always going back to your hometown is always a bit strange and so i've really thought a lot and seen a lot of people around london city that would have been me you know i could very easily still have been in that role and I'm just very fortunate, really, that I took that opportunity to go to Australia. And, and the world around me gave gave opened those doors when I pushed, when I knocked on them. So mm. I think that um, it's just that case of I couldn't rely on other people to ha- make it happen. So I made it happen for myself. And can you share with us an example of that? Because what
1: I hear as you're talking is a significant amount of resilience and determination and an element of bravery and courage um so have you got a story that you can share of an example where you because of this drive to want to be the best that you almost took yourself out of a comfort zone that almost looking back now you'd go oh my god I can't believe I did that but thank god I did that
0: uh, lots of things scare me but nothing has ever stopped me And so I, leaving England to go and live around the other side of the world, that didn't actually bother me. I was quite happy to do that. What bothered me when I got there was that I would be in meetings, asked to speak, and I would literally buckle. I would avoid going to the meetings, oh, sorry, I've got too much work to do, I can't come, just so I didn't have to speak. And I was that wallflower that couldn't even walk into a room and have a conversation with people at a party. So that's how scared I was of public speaking. And somehow I managed to turn that around. And I can remember being at a conference and the lady on stage was talking about how she had been able to get the confidence to speak on stage. And I was like, yeah, but she would have had all this training and blah, and she's a completely different person. And now I am that same person that can say that. And it is just literally identifying that that's what you want and then putting the things in place to achieve it. And if you don't try, then you'll never know. Mm. So what things did you put in place? What steps did you take to move
1: from being that wallflower to now having a career where you're often asked to speak? I think you said you're going out to Singapore later this year to... Uh, do a presentation and you're constantly under demand to to keynote. so what steps did you take? Because it's a lot of people go, I know I need to do it Yeah. but it's that difference between having a dream and taking action that yep. creates the change so what for you did you have to do?
0: Well for a start I had presentations that actually gave me an incredible confidence because I knew the information behind me was supporting me and not competing with me and so for a while I kind of that, that built my confidence. And then, of course, I've had development training as well. But one of the things I, I did was to identify my biggest fear and put myself in that position, um, which happened to be going and presenting to one of my competitors, now partner, <laughs> um, in America and presenting to her entire team. And when I was so scared. And once I had finished that and achieved that of presenting to my peers in a different country where americans are very um very um confident in the way they speak so in english wallflower definitely took a lot of balls to do that <laughs> and so after doing that i was like you know what there is nothing now that can scare me as much as that so then now i put myself in any situation i presented last week at the shakespeare globe theater in london um And that was an incredible experience as well. So there is, but that didn't even raise my pass. So once you've done the worst thing, everything else is easy. Mm. I think we can all learn from
1: that. What do you think of uh, when you think of
0: living a successful life? What does that mean for you? Success to me definitely doesn't mean now what it did years ago. Um, for me, success is now time, um, and with that time, obviously, money to do the things that you want to do is obviously makes things a lot nicer. Um, but really, a luxury for me now is going home to my children at night and spending the time with them or getting the time to go to the gym and having some time there to be on my own and just clear my mind. So I still really do need that time on my own, just that space to just settle. And I've had sort of help with meditation and all these things, but mostly I just need a bit of solitude. and, And that to me comes with time and that is the most important thing to me, because it's quite scarce. Actually, it's very scarce. (laughs) And did it take
1: you a while to to realize that because particularly the era that we're living in right now where there is endless advice about health and well-being and what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing and you know everybody is trying to find the fix that's that they should be doing right now but what I heard there is almost a a level of exploration around the various options to finally realize what worked for you. Um, Did it take you a while to find that?
0: yeah and I'm still searching Like mm. I definitely haven't cracked it but I am a lot better at it than I used to be mm. so I, I've now juggled around my day so that I'll have kind of big meetings early on and then t- block out significant chunks of time to work on specific things and then I'll leave and I'll go to the gym and then I'll log back on and I'll work in the evening when the kids are sleeping that just happens to work for me mm. and and if I don't do that I feel like crap so that, that is something that I've put in place because I know that it works for me. Um, everyone just has to find their thing that works for them and burning out definitely isn't an option. And I've done that too. I, um, I've, I got myself into such a state a few years ago that I was literally had to pull over the car and throw up on the side of the road and my face went numb from so much anxiety and fear around pressures. So if you get to that point you have to seriously start looking at what you're doing and why you're doing it, how you're doing it and I did do a lot of reassessment then. So having gone through that and I imagine you're not unique,
1: I know there's a few people where they've almost pushed themselves to the limit um, to almost realise and acknowledge that they need to put themselves first. Um, Having gone through that, what are those non-negotiables um, each day or do you have a morning routine do you have something that you do every day to set up your day or end your day is there anything that you do on a regular basis I actually just got a
0: dog to add to my <laughs> <laughs> to add to my um, pressures in life and so yeah we got a puppy and actually I loved that so that's been fantastic. Oh, although I probably don't walk her quite enough, but the taking her out for a walk and chatting with her has been fantastic. <laughs> You're the mad woman on the beach, the back. Um, but you just whatever works for you. You've got to make the time to do it, and it's very hard to fight the guilt that you feel around taking the time to do that. Uh, I. I It is definitely challenging. But what I can say without a doubt is that if you don't, you're letting yourself and your team down and your family. Mm. Is there any particular
1: book or keynote or TED Talk that you have read or listened to that fundamentally either put you on a path or changed you in any way? Is there any one book or anything. <laughs> She's looking at me. For those of you that are obviously listening, Emma is looking at me now going, what? <laughs> oh, I
0: know. What's I... your favourite book then?
1: <laughs> I reckon having just been with you, it's actually more about going in and buying stationery.
0: <laughs> oh, God, this my total lollipop world. I just love buying stationery. I have a desk full of empty notepads. <laughs> <hats. laughs> oh, no, I love it. Um, I I, I, I have recently bought lots of creative books mm. um, and I flick through them. I love picking them up. I have lots of brilliant business books that I do read. Um, it's it's honestly not staged, but your book was the one. That <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to not to, not to. Um, But the... The experience I had a few years ago was that of being at a certain point in my career and feeling very lonely. And it did just happen that I picked up From Me to We. is mm-hmm. how we met. Mm-hmm. And I read that book and, and connected with so much of it. I actually then left that same book to the girl on the plane that was sitting next to me because she'd made an interest in it. So... I, I should
1: love it. That's, no, that's how we met. Yeah. I remember because you got in contact after reading that book, yeah. which just shows you the the
0: power of moments in time, right? And and since then, the transformation in me and the confidence I now have to to sort of network and talk to people has been incredible as well. So, um, yeah. What is I mean for those of us that are in
1: business, and I'm sure there are. A, few people listening to this where there are so many words of wisdom out there so many bits of advice that you're given whether it be within your professional career if you're working in a corporate or whether it be what to do as a startup what's the one bit of advice that you are constantly hearing that you almost just want to shake and throw out and go stop listening to that (laughs) it's rubbish
0: um it's interesting because I think it changes over like the, the the sort of course of your career and I remember when I was pregnant with my first daughter I had an excel spreadsheet of everything I needed I had all these books and I I was so prepared for everything up until the moment that she arrived and then and then all these books had conflicting information and advice and I was totally stuffed and I was like do I do this that like and I wasn't trusting my instinct at all I was just trying to do what each book said and I couldn't do what they all said because they were all different so I would advocate without a doubt you trust your instincts if it feels wrong don't do it the biggest mistakes i've ever made are when i knew something in my tummy was telling me not to do it but i just pressed ahead because i'm a stubborn bitch and i just was gonna do it anyway and i didn't listen and so for me having the confidence in yourself to to listen to yourself um is absolutely huge And another thing, and it might have been you that said this recently, was that 80% is good enough. And I am a Virgo, I am a perfectionist, I will go all hell to make it perfect. But that makes everything hard. And so now I am really trying hard to just get it out there, get it done, get something up, out, happening, rather than waiting. Mm. And that's my new kind of... I love it.
1: I love it. Emma, it's been such an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, Clearly passionate about what your business stands for, but equally the bigger picture behind it and the impact that you're making. But what I love is is just the the stories that you share and the willingness to share your insight um, and ideas. So with that, before we
0: close, I've got two final questions. What's next for Emma Bannister? Oh, well, um, so because the company is now running efficiently without me at the helm every day I've got my new venture which is the training side of things so it's not always possible for people to come to us for the production services so I've made it my vision to create a training program for everyone throughout Asia Pacific and we've partnered with the global presentation leaders Duarte and we are now providing presentation writing training exclusively through Asia Pacific And that's incredibly exciting because it's giving people the tools to identify their audience, the message, the structure, and the storytelling. So it's bringing everything together, as well as then providing PowerPoint training and then public speaker training as well. So it's the full 360 presentation skills is good and just a classic example
1: of the fact that you never stop and you're constantly evolving and passionate about changing the industry my final question for you if you could uh look back in time and see yourself as that 21 year old what advice would you give
0: yourself don't get married
1: (laughs) (laughs) 21 Yep, don't get married at 21, and why? (laughs)
0: Listen to your instincts. (laughs) I love it. Excellent. Have confidence. You've got nothing to lose.
1: Excellent. Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for gifting uh, me and our listeners the time. Um, It's just been wonderful to talk to you, and I look forward to being part of your next evolution and watching your continued success. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. Follow her blog, purchase her books or find out more. Visit her website janinegarner.com.au Brilliant people, extraordinary results.